Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in Card Chronicle Podcast. We're back. Cards are back. Dan Sennard's back. Mike Rutherford back here in Louisville, Kentucky. Snowpocalypse, it never left. It's still going on. Dan, how is... I, I'm only. I'm always assuming that Columbus is just a slightly more gross than Louisville is this time of year. Am I correct in that assumption? I mean, it's pretty much like a frozen tundra. It's the Green Bay of the Midwest. Um, That's what they say. Yeah. I mean, at least the sun's out, but I mean, uh, the, I think the temperature this morning was around zero. Um, I mean, we've literally had snow on the ground for two weeks. I think we're supposed to get more tomorrow. So it's just, it's the never ending cycle, but, um, I mean, basketball's back. So it makes it a little bit, a little bit more tolerable. Yeah. We wondered last podcast, if we were going to have a game this week to talk about, we thought maybe we would do one of those, uh, you know, rewinder episodes where we watched an old game and talked about it thankfully we don't have to do that because louisville will play syracuse um tonight again we're recording this wednesday morning so we'll say tonight at 6 30 acc network it's a home game and sort of uh, ironically the last time we were talking about a game on this podcast trying to do a little bit of a preview stuff it was syracuse we were getting ready for that game a couple of weeks ago when we found out that louisville was going to be on a covid pause for the second time this season they now have not played a game in 16 days. They're going to be back tonight. Hopefully, this is the last snag we hit. Hopefully, we can play these last three weeks of the regular season out uh, in normal time, play in the ACC tournament, be in the NCAA tournament, and, and everything can go as smoothly as possible. Who knows? I mean, it's not just you. It's kind of like when you're telling kids about driving. You can be the best driver in the world, but you got to watch out for everybody else, too. I feel like Louisville, you know, we can get everybody healthy, get everything in, in order, do everything by the book, be totally fine, have all these negative tests, and then who the hell knows? Like maybe North Carolina pops up and tests positive on Saturday morning and we don't get to play that game. So you never want to get too excited, but God damn it, Dan. It feels good to have a game coming up here in a few hours. It really does. And like I, I guess when the games are happening, like I just get caught up and almost forget that there's even an option that, you know, other teams can attract it. Um, or maybe, you know, we're not even out of the woods yet just because it, you're like, all right, basketball's happening. There's a flow to this. Um, but you're right. It, it, it's hard to, you know, kind of keep that positive energy because it could stop on a dime at any moment. But I mean, you know, it is what it is right now. Like it's almost seems like the games that we've played up to this point, and I know this is exaggerated, but it almost seems like it was an extended preseason. And now the real season starts tonight. I mean, you kind of look at the, the last part of our schedule going into hopefully the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it seems like things are about to get serious. So, um, you know, I, I like this feeling. I kind of like the butterflies going into the game um and i'm i'm ready to go i mean that's just an atrocious take three minutes into the podcast <laughs> the real season we've been off for two weeks it's, <laughs> it's impossible like what do y'all say say like i just want to watch basketball that's really all i want to do i just want to nothing watch mattered for the past three months the last <laughs> record throw them out if we <laughs> my god um we do have we'll start off with this actually Let's start off with the the topic that everybody's kind of discussing right now, which is who's going to be out for this game? Which players are we still talking about dealing with all this stuff? Um, Dino Gaudio has been doing some radio interviews. I know he did the coaches teleconference on Monday. Chris Mack got back into the flow yesterday. He returned. I think his first full practice was actually yesterday. He's going to coach the team tonight. And they have both said the same thing. They haven't gotten into the names of the players that have been out. 
but Gaudio let it be known that we're talking about two scholarship players and one walk-on. And I do love that the last podcast, I, I made it a big deal. I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to say who the player was who tested positive. Multiple people let me know that I had actually said it earlier in the same podcast. So not great at, at keeping secrets here. Uh, I, I know that, you know, you don't want to get into too many details, but I'll say this. I don't think you're going to see J.J. Trainer, Gabe Wisnitzer, a walk-on, and Aiden Agehan available tonight. I think all those guys are going to be out. Aiden is not going to be a COVID-related issue. He is dealing uh, with a, a different illness right now that I think is going to sideline him for tonight's game. Did return to practice uh, this week. Malik Williams also has been practicing. I don't think you're going to see him be available tonight. May, even if they don't list him on the unavailability report, I'd be shocked if he saw the court tonight. I think we're still about a week away from that even being a possibility. But depth is is going to be an issue. Uh, you're, we're back to having eight healthy scholarship players, technically, um, probably more like seven. Josh Nickelberry is going to be coming back tonight for the first time in a couple of weeks. He had that wrist injury. Um, the conditioning of the other guys is, is going to be an issue. But down low, Jalen Withers, my God, stay out of foul trouble, my man. Dre Davis, stay out of foul trouble. The the lack of depth at the center position is going to be on full display. You're not going to have any of those guys, I don't think, uh, able to come in tonight and spell them. But still, it's it's better than it could be because you've got all five starters that should be good to go tonight. Your top two reserves should be good to go tonight. Uh, we'll see if this could be a, a nice night for Charles Midland to really make an impact. So not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly better than it could be, Dan. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of lucked out with our opponent tonight. Um, yeah. Not from like a skill standpoint, but just from a conditioning standpoint. Uh, you know, with, with going only eight people, I mean, Syracuse, obviously, everyone knows, plays that zone. Um, you, you know, they're, they're not really a team where we're going to, you know, they're not going to pressure you too much. We're not going to get up and down. Um, but, but I mean, you know, Lack of depth is lack of depth. We're going to need Sam to play really big tonight. Like you said, we're going to need big minutes from Charles Minlin. Um, and obviously that we're, we're putting a huge onus on on Jalen and uh, on Dre Davis. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is right now. We're, we're just playing with the hand that we're dealt. But I, I do feel confident in the eight guys. You know, if, if your guess is accurate, the eight guys that we're going to have out there. So. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm interested to see if if there's any rust, if there's any uh, you know conditioning issues. But um, you know, I, just like everyone else, I, I'm I'm just ready to I'm just ready to watch a damn game. Well, I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm not I'm not guessing. Uh, <laughs> so I have this is a podcast report. Uh, I'm putting it out there that those guys are the guys that are going to be sidelined tonight. Um, and if you do watch like the videos, I think you can kind of see all the players who are going to be healthy uh, and available tonight are, are in those videos. So, again, hopefully we get everybody fully ready to go next week or, or maybe by Saturday against UNC. But right now, eh, it's just I'm more worried about the conditioning of the starting five because Dino Gaudio maybe a little bit too open during his radio interviews this, these past couple of weeks. He's like, I'm watching these guys. They are not close to being in shape. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe. Maybe we don't. So, uh, yeah, some of that get a little closer coach, to the best. Yeah, some of that can be coach speak, though. I mean, sure. you know, sometimes coaches tend to do that um, when, <laughs> even like if you give like a team like one or two days off, they're like, well, we came back totally out of shape, blah blah. blah which, I mean, I I understand he has to answer what he has to answer, but um, I mean, there definitely could be some truth to that. I think you make a good point too about this is kind of, at least from a, stamina. And matchup standpoint, this is the perfect opponent to be coming off of a 16-day pause to play. Um, you know, they're not going to push pace a lot. I don't expect Syracuse to change up what they do and get out in a full-court press or anything like that. So Louisville starters should be able to play big-time minutes. The reserves should be able to play long stretches without getting too, uh, you know, exhausted. The one thing that is a little bit concerning, at least when you look at Syracuse recently, because they've been playing pretty well i know they haven't beaten anybody great but they've won five of seven they've won their last two they've beaten nc state and boston college in their last two times out and it seems like what they've sort of figured out offensively in recent weeks is that they need to shoot less threes they need to get inside the arc more and try to get to the line as much as possible and that's not great for louisville i think they're going to, to make it a make a concerted effort to try and get louisville into foul trouble just because they know regardless of who's playing and who's not playing 
Louisville's going to be short on depth, and they are one of the 10 best free throw shooting teams in the country. They're actually number eight in overall percentage right now in the country. Um, they don't get to the line a whole bunch, but when they do, they've been at their best. They don't shoot the three really well. I know they have a bunch of guys on their roster that were advertised as great outside shooters, Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, but they're still 233rd in the country when it comes to three-point percentage at just 32.5%. So I would expect them to kind of continue playing the way that they've played in recent weeks, try to get into Louisville's guards, try to get into that uh, post and, and get a couple of fouls on Jalen Withers, especially a guy like Withers who has been a little bit foul-prone so far this season, a young guy who you know sometimes when he gets exhausted just starts grabbing people. So it would be a shock to see Syracuse not try to attack the rim, not try to get the ball to their quote-unquote bigs and get Louisville into some foul trouble early on. Yeah, and I mean, with, with Syracuse, obviously, I mean, we talked about this last podcast from an offensive standpoint. Um, I, I, and another thing that worries me, I guess, is being off for 16 days. Um, you don't want to come out against a team that makes you, like you said, shoot threes all the time. Um, because, A, we're not a great three-point shooting team to begin with, but coming off 16 days, it makes it even a little bit harder. So from an offensive standpoint, you know, obviously I think the goal is going to be uh, to get the ball to the middle, which everyone knows as much as possible. Um, but I hope w- when that happens, uh, we're not just settling for jump shots. We're taking to the rim. Um, we're looking to dish off. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, every time you talk about Syracuse, it's hard not to be repetitive because everyone knows what they do, how they play on both sides of the ball. Um, it's just going to be up to us. I I, I trust Chris Mack to have a good game plan for this game. And it's just going to be us to be able to follow the scouting report to be successful. And I know we said this on the last podcast, I guess technically it was what three podcasts ago when we were previewing this game. But when you look at Syracuse, There are some differences here and there, but they're basically, I mean, they're the same goddamn team they've been every year in the ACC since we've joined. They're in, I mean, you expect them to be on every bracketology, first four out or last four in. That's exactly where they are right now. And if there's another kind of concerning thing about this game for Louisville, outside of just, you know, coming off of pause and and how lackluster we looked against Wisconsin and really the couple games after that last time, it's... Syracuse, they've kind of circled this game. Like They are in desperation mode, and they feel like if you look at any of the billion fan sites or, or newspaper articles or whatever, because every you know Syracuse has as many people covering the team as anybody in the country because they have all those journalism grads, they're all saying the exact same thing, which is this is the big opportunity for Syracuse to get a quad one win. They don't have a quad one win as of yet. This kind of feels like an opportunity to steal one. Because you're on the road against the Louisville team that is number 31 in the net right now. That's going to hold up. That's you know They're not going to slide out of the top 70. So it's going to stay as a quad one win. You know that they're shorthanded. You know they're coming off of a COVID pause. You know that uh, you know, you're playing pretty well right now. They feel like this game is the difference or could wind up being the difference between them making the NCAA tournament and missing the NCAA tournament. So you're going to get a desperation, a desperate Syracuse team. And unlike Louisville... Down the stretch, they don't have a whole lot of big-time opportunities. I'm sure they thought they were going to have one at Duke. I'm sure they thought they were going to have one at home against North Carolina. There's no guarantee that either one of those now are going to be quad one opportunities. So they've kind of put all their eggs in this basket. So we've been in this situation a couple of times before, but there's no question we're going to be getting a desperate team coming into the KFC Yum Center tonight. So if you're not, if we have any sort of you know COVID hangover or whatever, it's we're, we're going to find out real quick. We're probably going to get smacked in the mouth right off the bat. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, the cards aren't in, I don't want to say de- in desperation mode or maybe as dire as Syracuse is at this moment. But, I mean, when you read all the articles about bracketology or, or, or seeding or whatnot, Louisville is probably the one of the bigger mysteries to, you know, people that might be on the committee or, or people that are judging college basketball um, just because of our weird resume that we have. Plus the fact that we, we've already had two long layoffs. So a lot of people, I mean, including us, we don't even know really how good we actually are. Nope. Um, so, I mean, this game, I don't want to say if we, if we go out and win, it, it proves like, Hey, we really are, you know, uh, we mean business. We're a good team, but it would it would be nice 
um, from a perception standpoint to come out and get this victory. I know we're going to have a, a lot more opportunities for some big wins coming down the stretch here, but um, just from a perception standpoint, I don't. This is not a game that you want to drop. Um, you know, for from people looking around the country, but again. Uh, we're going to have plenty of opportunities besides this game, but I will say this. I'm, I'm happy. Not that I'm happy. We miss Syracuse um, the last game, but I, I'm happy. The first time we're catching them is a home game versus a road game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I feel like everybody having to go to Wisconsin back in December when they were coming off the pause for the first time. And I mean, that's a, it's a daunting trip regardless of, of what your circumstances are, but having to do it off the COVID break, having it be your first true road game of the year, um, just having it be like that experience of everybody having to go to their own room uh, and not seeing anybody for the rest of the time and just everything that that comes with road trips in this weird season. I'm sure it was more jarring than it would have been had it happened like right now. So I'm with you. I, I think avoiding having to go through the road trip, especially Syracuse, New York, in the middle of a, a winter storm is a good thing for this team. Um, I mean, will it wind up making a gigantic difference? There's no way to know for sure, but we're just in such a an, an odd spot. And I think you're exactly right as far as nobody, including Louisville fans themselves, really know what to do with this team right now. And I think you're going to see one of two extremes based on what happens tonight, at least for the rest of the week. If Louisville wins tonight, I think everybody looks up and says, hey, we're seven and three in the ACC we're one game behind Virginia and Florida State. We could still win this thing. Uh, you know, they, they, they've still got more games to play. And if you lose, all of a sudden it's, are we going to make the NCAA tournament? I mean, you're going to have just a, a gigantic extreme reaction from this game from the fan base. I, I don't think they're gonna, if you lose tonight to Syracuse, I don't, I don't think people are going to be overly upset just because they understand the COVID pause. But I do think there will be a little bit of panic because on one hand, you're going to have at least two, probably three quad one opportunities to end the season, maybe even four out of your last five could be quad one opportunities. On the other hand, they're all pretty tough games. Like, I'll ask you this. So we're home against Syracuse tonight. That's a quad two game. Away against North Carolina, that's quad one. Home against Notre Dame, who's playing better, but it still would be a quad two game. Away against Duke, right now that's a quad one game. You have to be top 70 for a road game to, to be have quad one status. I believe they're 66th right now. Away against Virginia Tech, that's definitely quad one. And then home against Virginia, that's definitely quad one as well. Out of those six games, what do you think Louisville's record needs to be for us to feel confident about the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens in the ACC tournament? How many games was it total? Six total. Six total? I mean, I would probably have to look at it deeper. I'm just guessing off of what you're saying. I would say to feel confident. If we, I mean, if if we could go 500, I would feel pretty good in that yeah. regards. Um, I mean, even if we went two and four, I still think we would be okay. Um, but it would, I would definitely be nervous. Um, anything less than that, I would, I would be terrified. Obviously. Yeah, I think three and three. It doesn't matter what combination of wins gets you to three. You feel pretty good. There's probably going to be at least one quad one tossed into that mix. If you go two and four, I think it depends on the wins. If you go two and four with, um, you know, wins away against Virginia Tech and home against Virginia, then you're still feeling pretty good. And those would be the last two games of the regular season. If you go two and four and the only games you win are tonight and against Notre Dame, then it's a little bit different. Then I think you're probably in a, in a little bit of an iffy spot and have some work to do going to Greensboro. But yeah, I mean, three and three gets it done. I, I don't think there's any question about that. It's just are we even going to play any of the other games? Like we, we still have no idea if they're going to try to squeeze some of those postponed games in there. Uh, when you look at next week, Louisville's scheduled to play on Tuesday at home against Notre Dame. And then on Saturday away against Duke, will they try to squeeze a game on, on Thursday in there? One of the, the games that hasn't been made up. Uh, we're already going to play Virginia tech um, on the last week of the regular season on Wednesday in a game that was, is a postponed game. It was, wasn't previously scheduled. So you've lost a spot there. My guess is, this is probably how it's going to be. Like these six games are probably going to be how we end the regular season and there isn't anything else thrown in there, but who knows? I mean, it's just, I mean, we say this every podcast, but you just, you don't fucking know. Well, like crazy stuff could happen. We could have more COVID pauses. We could have some rescheduled games. You just, 
and, and really we have, analyze we have, stuff. Yeah, we have no idea how the committee is going to judge these teams that miss numerous games. I mean, you look at a team like Michigan. I mean, they took two and a half, three weeks off, um, and, and they're obviously in the running for a one seed. So, um, you know, you don't know how it's going to affect your seeding in the you know, conference tournaments. You don't know how the committee is going to look at this. It's just obviously a, a weird and odd year that we're just going to have to watch kind of play out once March comes. But, um, you know, th- th- there's really nothing more to be said that like, I just, I hold my breath, you know, scrolling through Twitter, just about every game day that we're not going to get some sort of surprise. So knock on wood so far, it, it seems like everything's good to go. Um, and I'm, hoping that we can make up one of those games um you know i, I guess I, it's hard i mean like i, I want to make up the game but i don't want to do it if it's gonna hurt us i i guess so i mean i guess it really yeah. kind of depends on what the outcome is tonight um but i don't know i i, I think the more games you play the, the better you're gonna be um come march that's just my opinion but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I hopefully we can worry up about this. Hopefully the guys are, are obviously just focused on Syracuse, but I, I, I can't imagine just what a, a trying season it's been on these guys mentally, especially in the coaching staff, having to keep these guys ready with the long pauses and, you know, sporadic practices. So, yeah, it's just one of those seasons that we're, we're just having to grind it out, really. Yeah, it's at the point now where I think if the ACC looks at – trying to reschedule some of these games they're probably going to pick and choose which ones get rescheduled like we don't need to play boston college we we, we don't need to play uh the home game against Pitt. if they're going to reschedule some of these you'd love to see it be either the the first game at syracuse or the first game at virginia to try and get one of these games that are going to have an actual impact on the postseason uh back on the on the slate but again my guess is they probably don't do that i don't know i mean I, who, who knows i'm with you though Every single time I see, I get one of those releases from the ACC about a game being postponed, my heart just drops. Like I'm just, I'm irrevocably damaged at this point. Like I, I just, I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm just waiting to get hurt again, and I feel like it's going to happen. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's all good Let, news. For let's the next talk about the ACC standings. So, who do you predict would be the top four seeds in the ACC tournament by the end of the year? As of right now? Like, if you're like, all right, ACC tournament's starting, who's your one, two, three, and four seeds? Okay. Um, I feel like, see, I love doing this game, and I feel like I always am making mock brackets in mid-February. And I looked at it a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't even, like, it's impossible to do because you've got so many different games right now. I feel like even though they got blasted by Florida State on Monday, I think Virginia's still going to wind up winning the conference. Like, FSU... They either kill good teams or play down to the level of their competition. I think they've still got a couple of losses probably left in them. Um, their schedule down the stri- stretch is, let's see, Virginia Tech this weekend. That'll be a tough one. Um, they got to go to Miami, to North Carolina, and then BC Notre Dame to wrap up. That's actually not that tough. Um, Virginia has three games on them in the win column, even though they have the same number of losses. Virginia's schedule down the stretch, a little bit tougher, but also not overly challenging. I'll say Virginia gets the one seed, Florida State gets the two, Virginia Tech gets the three, and then I'll say we get the four. I, I think that, I mean, we've got two losses. There's nobody else. There are only three teams in the conference with three losses or fewer, and then everybody else has at least five. So we've got two losses on Clemson and North Carolina and Syracuse in the, uh, in, in the loss column. I think we could hold on to four. Again, I don't know how they're going to do that, though. I guess they're going to do percentage instead of overall record. It's just it's impossible to guess. But that would be my shot in the dark right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to disagree with that. Even though I, I agree that Virginia is going to be the one seed, I still think, and I think, I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything that's too not obvious. I think Florida State's, best game is better than anybody in the conference um and especially when you look that virginia florida state game the other night it seems like florida state's given virginia trouble a lot the past couple years i don't know how well virginia handles an over overly long athletic team 
Um, so I, I think that's kind of their nightmare matchup when it, when it comes to like seeing someone in the ACC tournament. Um, but yeah, I, you kind of, I mean, I know it's, I'm not going too off the grid here because right now that's the order it's in. It's Virginia one, Florida state two, Virginia tech three, and we're at four. If there's a team that maybe I could see sneaking up, it would be Carolina. Um, but I, I just looked at their schedule. I mean, they still have to go to Syracuse. They have Florida State at home. They have Duke at home. So, I mean, they, you know, I know Duke's not great this year, and they just lost Jalen Johnson. But a couple of those games are pretty tough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a crapshoot right now. But I, I, I do think um, – Virginia and Florida State are a neck above everybody else in the conference um, when you're talking about teams that I would expect could make a deep March run in the tournament. I keep waiting for Carolina to get good. Like, like I, I'm a, I'm still a believer in UNC. I think just from a pure talent standpoint, they're probably, I don't know, fourth best in the conference. Like, I, I still think they could be. Like, if you told me right now, who do you think is going to go the furthest in the in the NCAA tournament out of the ACC? I, I think Virginia and Florida State have the best shot. There's no question. They've separated themselves from the pack. But I think UNC's kind of right there if they can get hot. Caleb Love and, and R.J. Davis have seemed to be better in recent weeks. But every time I start to feel good about them, they have a performance like they did against Clemson a couple weeks ago. Or they have a performance like they did against Virginia uh, where they just look totally anemic. I, I don't know what to make of them. They haven't. It's just it's not clicking, and it's getting they're running out of time here. And like you said, their schedule down the stretch is not overly favorable. That game on Saturday, where we go to Chapel Hill, could easily wind up deciding who gets that fourth uh, double bye in the ACC tournament. But uh, will they even be a double bye this year? We don't know who's going to play in this conference tournament. We don't know who's not. It wouldn't be a shock at this point. We haven't talked about this. Um, Boston College midweek announces that they are firing head coach Jim Christian. Not a shock that he's not going to coach next year. Kind of a shock that he didn't make it through the end of the season. They announced just hours later that Winston Tapps, their best player, has been suspended for the rest of the year due to uh, COVID violations. I mean, it wouldn't be. And now they're also on a COVID pause. They're not going to play their next two games. It would yeah. not be a shock to see them just say, hey, look, we're 3-10 we're, we're and 10, or whatever they are. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hang it up for the year. Something's going on there. I mean, because like a, a week or two earlier, they wanted – they, they, their administration was okay with them playing with four scholarship players. And then two weeks later, you fire the coach. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there, but um, I'm kind of changing gears. One team that we were kind of sleeping on, and you just mentioned is Clemson. Um, they've won four out of five. And the wins, I mean, they're against us at home. Uh, they did lose at Duke. Then they beat Carolina at home, Syracuse at home, and Georgia Tech at home. And the remaining schedule isn't overly. I mean, they're at Notre Dame, at Pitt. Well, they're at, they're not now, so we should we should say they're on. They're back oh, on yeah, COVID. That, that's right. They are in the COVID pause. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at if, if let's say they miss their their next two games at Notre Dame and at Pitt, they finish up at Wake Forest and then Miami at home and Pitt at home. So um, you know they've kind of been overlooked, I guess. It seems like they were playing pretty well before this COVID pause, but. Yep, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun to guess all these scenarios, like you said, but um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it all turns out. Yeah, right when Clemson, because they were so good at the beginning of the year and then looked so anemic when they came back from COVID, and right when they seemed to kind of regain their footing, they beat Georgia Tech last Friday on a buzzer beater. They, Like you said, they've won three straight. They get COVID again. Brad Brownell, the Toby Flenderson of the ACC, just... <laughs> That's can weird. never catch a break. Uh, he, although he, we had on Friday night, which I loved. I mean, uh, back in the day, I wouldn't have been able to watch Friday night hoops. We would have. I, I kind of always liked having Friday as the one day where you could kind of take off during college basketball season. But now that I'm, you know, stuck at home with a kid anyway, I, I've sort of liked having some big conference games on Friday night. And last Friday night, we were treated to Toby Flenderson versus Michael Scott and Josh Pastner. We have to at least mention that we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't mention this on the podcast and I know that you were out celebrating uh, your parents' anniversary and, and getting drunk and having a good time. Meanwhile, I was being treated to Josh Pastner in that gigantic stupid ass face shield, slamming it down in the middle of the second half, getting a technical from Teddy Valentine, and then apparently not having another face shield. So having to wear 
that mangled monstrosity on his face for the rest of the game, looking like a fucking idiot, and then watching his team absolutely shit the bed in the last minute and losing at the buzzer. It was a magical, magical Friday night. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> I, I, I read a quote from him. Like, I guess he's lost on bank shots like a couple times. So he's like, man, I hate the backboard, like telling his wife or whatever. <laughs> um, like, just such a pastor. Hilarious, Josh. I know, but God, yeah. The, the picture of him in the, the smash mask is like something out of a comedy. So, yeah, I... Uh, like you said, I, I was having a good time, so I missed it. But um, I'm, I'm a little envious that I, I didn't get to see that live. It was wonderful. It, it was uh, glorious. Give Josh Pastner ACC Coach of the Year, regardless of what his team's record is, because he deserved it. Who do you think is – I mean, is there any question Mike Young's going to win uh, ACC Coach of the Year? Virginia Tech coming off of uh, a, a down year last year. Everybody thought it was going to take them multiple seasons to get back to where Buzz Williams had them. And now here they are legitimate top 25 team eight and three in the conference it feels like that's his award right yeah i would say unless they totally flop down the stretch i mean um i mean poor tony bennett he just keeps <laughs> winning the conference and um I, I don't know maybe he has one in the past I, I can't even remember who the past coaches of the years have been but um it, it seems that he he's kind of forgotten just how consistent he's kept virginia here over the years but um yeah i would say you're right unless virginia tech falters down the stretch it's it's his award to lose the last thing on shift back to syracuse real quickly here before we turn the page last thing to mention on syracuse and i know this is another thing that we we touched on briefly when we were previewing them a couple of podcasts ago but it's sort of a different dynamic with this year's syracuse team usually that their their defensive focus that two three zone has them in the top 30 in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency rankings, and they're less of an offensive threat. This year's sort of the reverse. Um, their defense ranks, I think, 86th right now in adjusted defensive efficiency. But sort of oddly, they're in the top 25 nationally in both steals and block shots. They're actually number eight in the country when it comes to steals. I think they're number 22 in uh, block shots per game. So I was listening to a couple of Syracuse people talk about this. And their, like, their point was, we're not really doing anything differently. It, you, you would think when you look at these numbers that it's a 2-3 zone that's just gambling too much, giving up too many um, open shots from the outside. But as a result of the gambles, they're, they're generating a bunch of turnovers. And the Syracuse people are kind of like, no, it's not really like that. It's just, it, it's kind of the zone as usual. Teams are just throwing the ball away a little bit more. Uh, a lot of these steals are, are just due to, you know, tardy passes or guys not being able to handle passes in the lane um and, and as far as the shot blocking they don't have an elite rim protector like they have in years past there's no Arisne Onwaku back there Quincy Garrier is, is their tallest starter at 6'7 so they don't have a lot of really elite shot blockers but it's kind of a team effort and Louisville my god if any team loves getting their shots blocked around the rim it's Louisville like we refuse to pump fake we refuse to go up right away we love getting our shots blocked so this could be good for them but we will get open looks. It's just going to come down to, you know, can David Johnson stay hot from the outside? Can Sam Williamson continue the momentum that he had built uh, from his last three games? Can he be that guy in the middle of the zone who's knocking down mid-range jumpers? And then, you know, can some guy shoot above his average from the outside? Can Charles Midland get hot? Can uh, Quinn Slazinski maybe get a couple of, of open looks from the outside and knock them down? So uh, it's, as we always say on the pod, Dan, got to make shots but you especially yeah. have to make shots against Syracuse well let me ask you this and um shout out to to Russ Smith and Jeff Greer I, I, I listened to Russ on his podcast and he brought up a good point um I mean we have such talented guards and I know it's it's not Chris Mack style to to get out on the fast break a whole lot um, and especially it, it sucks because like tonight we're coming back with only eight scholarship players. So if there was a game where it's like, Hey, this might be a good opportunity to run. Um, you know, it, it might not be, we might not want to get in an up and down game tonight, but, uh, are you of the sense? Like, I mean, I think a lot of people are, would you like to see this team get out on the fast break more and run? Because I think David Johnson and Carlyke Jones are just such good finishers and, I think if we get just get a couple more easy baskets a game, I mean, there's just some games, it just seems like it's such a grind on the offensive end to score. Um, and then obviously we're not getting 
as many possessions as maybe, you know, obviously before max tenure here. So if there'd be a thing that I was looking, I would be looking for maybe not so much tonight, but in the upcoming weeks, it would really be great if we got out on the fast break a little bit more and just let these guards kind of create in the open floor. Um, But again, I know it's not max style to do that, but I wonder if he kind of sees the same thing that we're seeing um, I don't know. What, what's your opinion on that? It's not going to happen. And yeah. I know that, uh, I mean, I feel like this is going to continue to be a topic of conversation after every single Louisville loss. You know, why aren't they running more? Why isn't there more ball pressure? And I get that it's not what we were used to. I mean, this was all very predictable when we hired Chris Mack. It was going to be an adjustment period. And we did do a little bit more... It, to Max credit, I think he coached to his personnel the first couple of seasons. We'd still had a couple of holdover trades from the Patino slash Paget era. And Mac, you know, he let the guys who could shoot threes shoot a bunch of threes. He styled his offense to the parts that he had. But now we're seeing Chris Mack basketball and it's different. And it's it's not going to change. Like, like we're not going to just miraculously one game start getting up and down and let Carly Jones and David Johnson uh, play a, a game with a billion possessions. It's just not going to happen. We're only going to press if necessary. We're only going to push pace if it's open. And especially when you're coming off a COVID pause and you've only got, like you said, eight scholarship players available, you're not going to see it against Syracuse tonight. I just, I mean, would I like to see it? Yeah, because that's my preferred style of play. Like I I like the, you know, what you're seeing across the country now with more and more teams getting up and down Alabama and Gonzaga, most notably Villanova has been doing this for years. I, I love their style of play. Um, not even necessarily like the full court press, but just the getting a defensive rebound and going. It takes exactly. Yeah. You know, and stats. I'll, 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 go ahead. And like, where we're not particularly great at shooting from the outside. I want to get the ball up the floor and attack before they can set up in their zone. So that's why specifically I was like hoping to see more of it tonight. But I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I know the style that, that Chris plays. It's, it's tough. Um, but if we could just do it, I'm not even saying all the time, just a couple times to get a couple, you know, easy looks at the rim. Um, I, I would be ecstatic to see it. Yeah. You'd love to steal eight to 10 points a game just off of, you know, turnovers or, or fast break points where, especially with a team that has struggled in the half court against good defensive teams, you'd love to have those extra eight to 10 points every single night. I think the issue when it comes to, you know, all the analytics say, in the first six seconds of a, a half-court possession is when you're going to get the best look. And it's why you see teams um, like Alabama and like Gonzaga playing even faster than they ever, ha- ever have before. I think the issue with trying to play that style with this team is Mac hasn't recruited for it. We don't have a whole bunch of good shooters. Now, last year's team could have played that style and I think had a whole lot of success, probably even more success than they wound up having. But this year's team... I mean, do you want a Josh Nickelberry three 25 seconds uh, with, with 25 seconds left on the shot clock? Uh, stats say no. Stats, stats say that's probably not a good look. But uh, I just uh, – this is what we have. I guess there's my, my whole point is there's no point in complaining about it. He's not going to change, especially this late in the season. So you're not going to see a whole lot of, of transition stuff. You're not going to see a whole lot of pressing unless they're down late. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of ball pressure in the half court. It's just – it's an adjustment period. And – I think fans will be fine with it if they win, and they won't be fine with it if we lose. It's it's like anything else. You're exactly right. I think part of, part of me is saying this because the other night the Louisville Notre Dame Biggie semifinal was on. Oh, I watched 2011, it. and um, I mean, I, we just watched uh, you know Preston and Kyle Couric and them just get up and down the court and um, you know create a lot of easy baskets even though I, I say that it was like a double overtime game and I think they only scored in the 60s so uh, but yeah it, it was fun to watch for sure but no I, I mean I'm appreciative of Chris Mack's style it, 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 you know it's it's taken me a little bit to get used to and I, I think once he gets all the parts in there you know that he needs um, it'll become you know uber successful I think you know right now guys are still kind of adjusting to it all right, we're going to get to predictions and Dan the dumps. But before we do that, reminding you guys again, we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. You'll see all the teams that they have merchandise for. Click on any. They all have retro designs. They're all very, very cool. They don't just slap the, the team's name on the front of uh, the logo and call it a shirt. They go into depth as far as what fans like, what they want to see on T-shirts, what they want to see on apparel, and then they make it happen. 
Check out the Louisville section if you need more proof. They've got the Duncan Cardinal bird wearing shades. They've got a, a Saturdays t-shirt. they got all sorts of cool stuff. And the shirts are incredibly soft. The hoodies are incredibly soft. Um, it's, it's stuff that you're going to be able to wear for years and years and years. And again, if you go to, to homefieldapparel.com and you use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE, all one word at checkout, it's going to save you 20% off your first purchase from there. Follow them on social media for their latest deals. It's Homefield Apparel without an E in apparel on Twitter and at Homefield Apparel on Instagram. Big shout out, as always, to Homefield Apparel. We love them. Buy some of their gear. It's going to make you very, very happy. All right. Um, before we do predictions, do you have a Dan of the Dump story for this week? Yeah, I, I do. Um, it, it's it's a little, I don't want to say it's sad, but um, so we uh, celebrated uh, my parents' 40th anniversary this weekend. So shout out to my mom and dad. Uh, you know, we kind of surprised them by coming down. Uh, you know, we got a limo and everything and, and took them to dinner. They, they live right outside Cincinnati. Um, so they were obviously surprised and my wife was great. I mean, her and uh, my sister-in-law, Natalie, they, they kind of planned the whole thing. Um, so we went down there as like an adults only night and we left the kids behind, um, with our babysitter and obviously Kim's sister, um, is able to help out as well. But right as we're pulling into Cincinnati, I mean, this is our first night away from, since we've had our, our new baby Mallory back in May, this is like our first night away from the baby since that happened. Um, so, you know, we're in a good mood. We're, we're jamming out on the way down. We're, we're about 10 minutes from Cincinnati. The surprise is going to take place in maybe, you know, a half hour. All of a sudden we get a call. Um, our, our baby Mallory, uh, had a, an incident where she accidentally fell out of her high chair. Um, our, our poor babysitter who's awesome and we love her. Obviously she was, she was a basket case, but Mallory ended up needing <laughs> stitches right next to, right next to her eye. So like there was a big debate, like, okay, are we going to go home, uh, for this? You know, we had, we had planned this and, and, you know, had set this up for about a month and a half, but, um, luckily Mallory's our third kid. I mean, my wife, she was so worried, but, um, you know, <laughs> we've had, we have two other kids. They've had stitches before. It wasn't like the most dire situation. Mallory was calm and everything. Um, so luckily Kim's sister took her in, um, to get her stitches and everything was fine and dandy. And we went on and, um, you know, celebrated throughout the night, but our, our, our poor babysitter, I know she felt so bad and, and Mallory's doing great. She just got three stitches in her eye, but it was like, geez, I mean, can we cut one break here? We finally get away from the baby and we're getting ready to celebrate. And then we have to debate turning around because our little baby had to get stitches, but all is good on the home front. And, uh, yeah, she's doing great. Can I say you were texting with, uh, with me and a buddy of, uh, of ours when this happened on Friday night and the way that you phrased it, you were like, man, this happened just uh, 10 minutes before we got to Cincy for this party. And now we're in the emergency room. Like, like, and so both me and we our buddy Weber assumed that the way you phrased this meant that you all had turned back and were with your baby. So we were like, oh, I'm sure Bob and Kim understand. By and then like 30 minutes later, you're like, I am hammered waiting for this limo <laughs> to get here. And we both were like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, I had no idea. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you didn't go back. Oh, I, more power to you. Great parents. Yeah, I know. And I know my wife, if she listens to this, she's going to be like, everyone's going to be judging me. But like, I promise <laughs> she wanted to go back. I was like, Kim, it's going to be fine. Like Mallory's a tough girl. And, and, uh, yeah. So, but no, I, I did, I, I don't know how I phrased the text message too. I think I was completely rattled at the time, but, um, not as soon as we knew the stitches were in, uh, to say we let loose the rest of the night, uh, was an understatement. So, um, shout out to Mallory, shout out to my, my parents for 40 years of marriage. Um, it was a fun night. Love you, Bob and Kim. You deserve it. Um, Let's. I don't really have anything else to add. I guess the one other thing we should add as far as the ACC before we move on to making predictions and getting out of here, uh, Jalen Johnson, the Duke star freshman, it was announced on Monday that he is uh, opting out of the rest of the season, which basically means he's just he's quitting for the rest of the year. Lots of opinions on this one flying around here. Um, I will say that I fall kind of in between of everybody. There was the only thing that I'll say about Jalen Johnson is 
a lot of people have pointed out that he went to three different high schools in three different years. He did leave IMG Academy, which is more of a eyebrow raiser to me than it would be if he was just leaving a normal high school situation. IMG is the most player-friendly environment you can find anywhere in this country. And for him and his quote-unquote you know, crew or, or whatever they call the, the people, his, the, the, his handlers, to have some issue there, it kind of, I don't know, it led a lot of people to believe that maybe they were going to have an issue wherever he went to college. But to not be able to, to you know, get along with the people at Duke, there's apparently been some back and forth since the start of the season. Not a whole lot of shock that this didn't end well, but still a little bit jarring to see a kid that high profile and playing at the biggest name in college basketball just say, I'm out with, with less than a month to go in the season. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I, again, people are like, oh, he's a quitter, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I'm in between on that. I mean, obviously, is it like the best look? I mean, is it I'm sure his teammates are probably like, what the hell? Um, But I mean, he's he's not getting paid in college and he, he, he wants to make sure that his draft stock is, you know, where it needs to be. And this is his opinion of. Uh, what he needs to do to be drafted high. So I'm not going to fault a kid for that. But I will say, I would draft this kid. Um, yeah. With, I mean, I, a he didn't overly impress me on the court. I mean, he had a, he showed flashes of it, I guess. Um, but I mean, like you said, with with the high school switches, with, with opting out, you know, kind of leaving your team in the middle of the season, this is not a guy I would want to build my franchise around. So, you know, hey, he can do what he wants, um, but not a guy I would mess with if I was an NBA GM. Yeah, and I, and I always side with the players when it comes to this, and I guess technically I'll side with Jalen Johnson here in that if you told anybody, whether it's me, you, anybody listening, you're going to be a millionaire in a few months, all you have to do is not get horrifically hurt, I would just, you know, do as little as possible until that actually happened and I signed my contract and, you know, I'd live the rest of my life a millionaire regardless of how my NBA career wound up going. So I, I don't, I'm not, not going to fault him for that. He hasn't owed Duke anything at this point. At the same time, I'm with you. Like, this would be a huge... Re- like, I, I think there are other issues. I know that um, some coaches on the Duke staff have talked to other coaches across the country, and even before the season started, they were kind of like, this is a little bit of an issue. So I, I think that there's some stuff going on there. Um, it just... When you look at everybody, especially in recent years, that has come and has put their pride aside done it the Duke way, done it the Coach K way, done it whatever cliche you want, and gone on to have NBA success, you're, you're kind of like, if it was good enough for R.J. Baird, if it was good enough for Zion, if it was good enough for the Jones brothers, why wasn't it good enough for you? And I do think that this, I'm not saying Duke's going to now magically make the NCAA tournament, but I do think this could easily wind up being a little bit of an addition by subtraction situation where he's kind of like, it's a voodoo Tatum situation from Friday Night Lights, and Matthew Hurt is Matt Saracen, and they're going to be okay. <laughs> they're going to be even better when they get when they get rid of Jalen Johnson, I could definitely see that happening and, and Duke kind of coming together and and playing for Coach K and all that bullshit and and having a, a strong finish to the season. But that's that's it. That, that's all I've got on Jalen Johnson. I don't have any other big takes. I guess Do you have makes, a prediction, Dan. Go ahead. I was going to say, I guess that makes Coach K Buddy Garrity. I just wanted to, you know, whatever. Move on. Let's go to predictions. Just letting everybody know that you two are familiar with the program. Just, yeah. just kidding. It's like, the I want Friday Night Lights, thank you. <laughs> 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 All right. Louisville-Syracuse tonight, 6.30. Part of a quadruple header on the ACC network. I kind of love that we're getting these days uh, with all the rescheduled games. But Dan, uh, cards, four and a half point favorites. They were underdogs for the game that was going to be played up there on whenever that was, February 3rd, I guess. How do you feel about this game? How do you see it going? What's your prediction? So we've had some like weird lines this year. Like the Miami line was weird. Um, the what was the Clemson line was weird. Um, this one's weird as well because I mean, like you said, we were underdogs at Syracuse. Um, now we're coming off a 16-week pause, and I know we're at home, but. I mean, yesterday we were at minus five and a half. So it almost seems like Vegas wants you to take Syracuse like they're daring you to do it. So I'm going to go opposite. I think the cards win handily tonight. I think we win by double digits. I'll say we win 74 to 64. I like that. Uh, by the way, as we're we're recording this, Eric Devendorf has tweeted at me uh, responding to the 
picture that I posted of T. Will screaming at him from back in 2009. So <laughs> good omen there. Is there a more hated Syracuse player than Eric Devendorf? The answer got to be. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Although I hated Michael Carter-Williams. He whined about everything. I did not like him at all, and he was really good. Yeah, he was good. Uh, I still haven't forgiven him for the elbow he threw on Luke Hancock in the Big East, uh, Big East Championship. But no, Devendorf I hated a little bit more. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, I am decidedly less confident than you going into this game. I was very, very confident about the first Syracuse game. I don't think Syracuse is that good. I actually think that we have the personnel to match up pretty favorably with them, even though we don't shoot it that great from the outside. I thought we were going to win, I won't say handily, but I felt very good about our chances the first go-round. Tonight, I just, after everything we've seen with the, the first COVID pause, after you know just not being able to get into a rhythm, I, I feel like this is going to go poorly. Like I think we're going to have a shot to win. I think it'll be a close game but I feel like we're just going to need this game to get our feet underneath us. But at the same time, like nothing, I'm not going to act like I have this overwhelming feeling about it because nothing would shock me. If we won by 20 tonight, I wouldn't be that shocked. If we lost by 20, I wouldn't be that shocked. Um, I'll say we lose, but it's a very, very close game. Uh, I'll say Syracuse wins 69-67. I don't like it, but I'm saying it. And if it's, if it's totally wrong... I'll be very, very happy to admit that I'm very I, right. I like how I, I picked him by 10, and you go, I like that. And then you turn around well, no, and pick I, Syracuse. I, I like it because you're, you're, I like your confidence. I wish I had it. I wish it would, would bleed into me a little bit more, but unfortunately it has not. But like I said, I've got no real feeling. Like Nothing would shock me at all, but that's just my, my stab in the dark there. Uh, we will have another pod before this weekend. Hopefully we're talking about a win over Syracuse. and we're, I feel like we just need this game to get back into the flow. Like I, I, I'm excited yeah. about it happening. But it does kind of feel like this. I don't. It, it, there's not even anything to really compare it to. It's such a unique feeling. It's mid-February. Excuse me. It's mid-February, and we haven't played a game since the very first day of the month. This is when we're supposed to be like just basketball 24 hours a day, every single day. And I think we just need a game to get back into that flow. Um, I, I, I need like the constant like butterfly like in my yeah. stomach every three days, and like it's just yeah. been so long and so stale i feel like i'm numb so hopefully this is the beginning of it um and we can kind of get in a rhythm from here on out the rest of the season no i'm with you i mean this is yeah this is the time of the year when we're like constantly updating bracketology constantly looking at the conference standings constantly looking at the next game and talking about the, the most recent game and we haven't had any of that really all month and i think it's going to t- it's just it's such a jarring feeling to not have had that uh, we do want to remind you guys, if you have not yet, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please give us a rating if you can. 578 ratings now. That's awesome. Uh, if you leave a review, we will read it on the podcast. One new review this week. It's from Pittsburgh JD. He says, enjoyed the news on the cards and the plethora of memories of one Charles E., including his electric organ player, the purple Mr. Munch. Keep up the Americana side stories, but please less cream going forward. All right, we, we didn't, that's the first mention of Kareen on this podcast. There you go. By the way, my parents were so disappointed in my <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> Flithor, they're like, oh my God. They're like, Dan, seriously? I was like, I'm sorry. It received a lot of feedback. A lot of people wanted to talk about it. But hey, it makes the podcast great. And I, I do like that you just said pronunciation right there too. That's, you're just staying on brand. Yep. <laughs> All, yep. Right. All right, we're going to have another pod before the end of the week here to get you ready for the North Carolina game. And like I said, hopefully we're celebrating a win over Syracuse. Uh, Until we talk to you guys next time, go Cards, beat Syracuse. Fuck Eric Devendorf. Go Cards.